Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This, of course, is the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien. Now, on our recent episode with Dr. Richard Souter, we had a buzzy, buzzy episode. We have recently then had this episode, Dr. Richard Souter, talking about underground alien bases, about a certain drug he had taken, and about the voices he heard. Now, I know Chris stands by a lot of what he said and about his research, and I'll respect that. But one particular problem we had with that interview is the fact that we have this constant chronic buzzing. We joked about it. You know, maybe ET's there, maybe there's some unaccounted for interference. One we of tried our for- to joke about it, Jane. We tried. My humor fell a little flat with the uh, good doctor. Yes, he doesn't appreciate. Well, it was 3.34 in the morning. So. <laughs> At that time, so. we're both uh, getting punch drunk or something, not from any liquid yep. refreshment, but because of the late hour. Yeah. So he got upset over it. But we probably have the solution. It's nothing paranormal. Okay. It nope. is a cell phone placed too close to his computer, an old-fashioned cell phone, sending out too much RF. Yeah, and if we knew that during the interview, brain. I would have said, throw out your cell phone, let's get on with this. Just think what that cell phone does close to your brain. Right. Think about that noise that you heard on this episode, okay? Think about the noise, ladies and gentlemen. Now consider the impact to your brain of all that radiation. Think of the impact to his brain, all that radiation. Forget about all the other stuff that's going on. <laughs> right. The ayahuasca doesn't, doesn't help either. But, well, I guess in his case it might. And in, in terms of, of me standing by his research, as you kind of tactfully put it, I, I really respect Richard Sauter for uh, a number of reasons, uh, the foremost being that he really has done a yeoman's job researching the whole underground and underwater base scenario. Um, I haven't talked with Richard in a number of years, and I, I do realize that he's gone through a lot by his um, his activist work in, in protesting, getting arrested, you know, climbing the fence at the missile uh, base and, and the other activities that he's – political activities that he's been involved with. And, you know, I do – sense that he's been kind of <laughs> he's been kind of on edge lately and it was um i don't think we really found him in his best top form at uh, three in the morning and i don't want people on the forums to throw out a, very, a number of years of very good work that he did in the 90s about the underground and underwater base scenario you, just because a person you catch them on a bad day that you can't throw out all their all their hard work and um, I, I just wanted to underscore that well this is the problem I have with it let's not look at the research in the book but coming in here and saying he heard these voices transmitted to him now maybe he's right maybe that's done obviously it's scientifically possible but it kind of makes your eyes roll a little bit when you hear it the first time oh this guy says to me that this is such and though and all that stuff. This guy said this to me while I was home in bed. And you got to think, you know, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It is weird, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I do, uh, you know, like I said, I've known Richard for quite a number of years. And uh, the story always did kind of seem a little strange to me for obvious reasons. But 
again, I think it was uh, some form of validation in his own mind, uh, whether projected there or otherwise, that the work that he was beginning to under, undergo in terms of researching the whole subject, I think it gave him validation that he was doing something that needed to be done. And I think his, his book, Underground uh, Bases and Tunnels, uh, you know, what is the government trying to hide, I think is, is the preeminent work on the subject. And I don't care who you are. If you have any interest in the subject, that is really the go-to book, and 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 that's that's end of report. Uh, you know, I really don't care what anybody else thinks about the man. All I know is that he is a crack researcher, and nobody has done the amount of work in that subject that he has. And I I really admire him for that. All the other stuff is like uh, you know, a quirky guy. I guess he's, as he's getting older, he's getting quirkier. So um, you know, well then no I'm in real trouble. <laughs> because yeah. I am just quirks. But then Jim Mosley is older than I am. And You're of course, quirky. Oh, Jim has been quirky for every day I've known him. I've known yeah. Jim for many, many years. He's always been quirky. Quirky and fascinating, but quirky. Yep. Comes to the territory. Some people do get driven over the edge, as we both well know. And um, yeah. I just hope that uh, I wish Richard the best of luck down in the ecuadorian wilds of uh the ecuadorian jungles down there and i hope that he does find what he's looking for but at the same time i really do think people need to look at the man's body of work uh before they just throw that uh that body of work out with the bathwater. and also look he's got people who do stand by him like you do like richard dola and everything else just remind him, keep the cell phone away from your head or get a different cell phone that emits less radiation. And when you do shows with Skype, keep the cell phone away. Yeah, and maybe water down that ayahuasca a little bit too, bud. Hmm. I have no problem with that for trying to seek higher intelligences and all this other stuff. Let me ask you the question, which will be obvious here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you taken it? Ayahuasca? No, okay. I haven't. Okay. Have you watched people who have taken it and seeing what they undergo? No, I've never been around an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, I have dabbled with the active ingredient, which is dimethyltryptamine, and uh, in its most potent form, which was uh, gathered from uh, Bufo valerius, which is a psychedelic t uh, frog that actually lives down around Eugene. You know, it's the largest frog in North America, and you can milk you can milk them, and it produces uh, a very pure form of DMT, which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca. I don't care what Dr. Souter says. He obviously hasn't done his homework on that. Okay, so you can accept his underground research that maybe his knowledge of drugs and their impact and sources is a bit wanting. Well, yeah. Um, I, I think if anybody claims that DMT is not the active ingredient in ayahuasca, obviously ayahuasca is a combination of plants, one which allows the body to absorb the dimethyltryptamine into the system. It's an MAO inhibitor, but he's, he definitely needs to do a little research on that because uh, I have done some research on the subject. And, and DMT is a very powerful shamanic substance. It is not for everybody. Uh, some people could be pushed over the edge with it. And uh, it should not be done, as, as Richard did mention, as a recreational drug. It is not that at all. It is a sacred, very serious compound that has serious uh, repercussions if you don't uh, address the uh, scenario correctly. It's not for college students to hang out in their dorms and consume this stuff? No. 
Okay. No, it's not. No, no drugs are. Today we have a person who's coming on our show who, by the way, is a professional skeptic. Yeah, this will okay. be fun. Right. It's Benjamin Bradford. Benjamin Radford is the managing editor of the Skeptical Inquirer magazine, okay? All right, mm -hmm. he's part of Psychop, so he's one of the people that sometimes we regard them as the enemy. And he has a book out here called Tracking the Chupacabra, The Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction, and Folklore. So it's a fascinating little book. It's about it's less than 200 pages, which compared to, say, a Harry Potter book is pretty small. Yeah. And the paragraphs are spread out a little bit. So it's not a big book, lots of illustrations. You can go through it in just a few hours. But he makes a lot of interesting points. And whether or not, folks, you are willing to accept that we're having a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic here, there are lots of things that you have to listen to on both sides of the equation when it comes to the paranormal. You don't just assume you read anything from believers, but if they're skeptics about something ignore them because the only way you find the truth is by looking at all sides of the equation agreed that was simple very simple in fact a lot of what he says in the book i wholeheartedly uh you know agree and i can't wait to talk about it in, in more depth benjamin radford joining us next on the powercast i'm gene steinberg the co-host is chris o'brien that means you're in the paracast Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. Jim Newcomer for Midas Resources, April 15, 2011. Gold opened this morning at 1477.60. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1515.31, 757.66 for a half ounce, or 378.83 for a quarter ounce. That's 1515.31, 757.66, and 378.83. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support of the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic-proof quarter-ounce pure gold coin. For only $390 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. This is an urgent message. Urgent if you care about feeding your family. S510 has passed through Congress and will make the sale of heirloom seeds difficult. 
prices of non-GMO seeds are skyrocketing and may be hard to afford in the future, if you can even find them. As the economy continues to decline, this will make the heirloom seeds worth their weight in gold and one of the best barter tools available. When food supplies eventually run out, your solution is to grow your own food and barter tool. Now, for a short time, GetSeeds.net offers 100 packets of heirloom non-GMO vegetable seeds for only $59. Pay with two ounces of pure silver or just $59. The best price on the net for high-quality seeds. Our GetSeeds.net seeds are open-pollinated vegetable seeds sealed in a Mylar bag for long-term storage. Bulk pricing available. So get seeds while you still can at GetSeeds.net or call toll-free 877-341-4769. That's 877-341-4769. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com joining us on the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien is Benjamin Radford the book is called Tracking the Chupacabra subtitled The Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction and Folklore now, those of you who are obviously interested, very heavily interested in the paranormal, might look askance at having a skeptic amongst our team. Because, Ben, as we know, you're the editor of the Skeptical Inquirer magazine, right? Actually, deputy editor. But yes, I've been involved with them for uh, 12 years now. Okay. What got you into so-called skeptical movement to explore all these subjects? Well, you know, I grew up uh, having a fascination with all sorts of mysteries and the unexplained the paranormal. So when I was a teenager, I went and got books on you know UFOs and, and Bermuda Triangle and Bigfoot and this and that and the other. And I was fascinated by these things. But um, I was also kind of disappointed when I read them because there was very little actual investigation. In most cases, when I picked up books or read magazines about these, these mysterious or paranormal topics, uh, almost invariably, they were just simply uh, 
repeating stories and stories are fine, but I wanted to get more of, of the actual investigation. I wanted to know, well, you know, who, who interviewed this eyewitness, who, who verified that this particular fact is true. So I kind of got dissatisfied in my, in my teens uh, and early twenties with, with the lack of, of real serious legitimate investigation in paranormal topics. And so one of the things uh, that I wanted to do after I got my, my degree and sort of began working with Skeptical Inquirer magazine was to, to do some investigations. I, I said to myself, well, if, if I can't count on other people to do good quality science-based investigations, well, then damn it, I'll do it. And I worked with myself and, of course, uh, Joe Nickel, who's the senior research fellow there, and other people as well. And that's sort of what launched me into doing these investigations and, and so sort of more broadly applying science and skepticism to all topics, uh, whether it's paranormal or, or not. Fast question. Do you believe there's any reality to any paranormal event anywhere, anyhow? Uh, fast question uh, with the long answer. You know, I if you're going to say is it paranormal? I mean, paranormal by definition, uh, depending what definition you're using, is beyond the normal. So uh, I would have to say, do I believe that that there are that there are supernatural things? Uh, I believe that there there might be, but uh, I I think that you need to use science and evidence to to find them if if they're in need out there. When it comes to UFOs, we have all this supposed evidence out there. How do we basically end the controversy there? How do we actually find out what's really going on? Because we can say, well, this isn't real for whatever reason, but then we have the photographs and the radar cases and all that. How do we actually get a real investigation going without any preconceptions, which is so important? Well, I think there's, there's a couple things. In some ways, it's similar to the situation when you're looking for evidence for Bigfoot. Um, you know, you have eyewitness sightings, you have reports, you have some fuzzy photos, you have this and that. Uh, and you also have you have reports by credible eyewitnesses, you know, people who are not stupid. They're not crazy. Uh, they're sincere, believable people. Uh, and they're reporting things. And the problem is, you know, how do you get beyond this baseline of evidence uh, that hasn't gotten anybody anywhere so far? And ultimately, um, you know, if these things exist, then there should be hard evidence for them. Uh, if whether ghosts exist or Bigfoot exists or extraterrestrial craft exist or chupacabras exist, for that matter, this shouldn't be a matter of just supposition and eyewitness accounts. There should be hard evidence somewhere. Uh, and so we would need hard evidence. We would need some sort of something you can test forensically uh, and, and, and get that. Okay, well, if someone sees a ghost, okay, you have a visual report. I saw something and, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like my dead grandmother or something. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. How then can you go about proving what someone can only attest to visually? I mean, you'll take that testimony if they say, well, John Smith came into the grocery store and shot the cashier and killed the cashier. John Smith, I identify him in a lineup. He gets convicted of murder. I saw a ghost, okay, an apparition disappeared in front of my eyes. You don't believe that, but you believe the testimony in a murder case. No, I, did, I didn't say I don't believe that at all. In fact, I take eyewitness accounts very seriously, and I interview eyewitnesses all the time who tell me about different things that they've seen. So to my mind, the, the issue is not do you discount eyewitness testimony, because, of course, you shouldn't and you can't. But what you do do is you, you use that not as, as evidence in and of itself, but as a step towards evidence. So, for example, if someone says they saw a ghost, 
uh, first of all, I'd, I'd, I'd ask them, how do they know specifically it was a ghost? I mean, what, what characteristics led them to conclude that it was a ghost? I'm not saying it, it was or wasn't, but that's, that's not an irrelevant question. But then the question would become, well, what else might it have been? What if, for example, the person saw something out of the corner of their eye uh, in, in a store um, or somewhere else, and uh, there was a video camera, and the video camera showed nothing at all? Uh, if the video camera doesn't show anything, that doesn't disprove the person's experience, but it does provide a second avenue of investigation. So I, I wouldn't discount any eyewitness's experience, but it's important to realize that eyewitnesses uh, can be and often are wrong. Uh, you know, you can use the example of, of uh, police lineups. Well, there are literally dozens and hundreds of cases of people who have been convicted and sent to prison, sometimes on death row, based on, on faulty eyewitness testimony. Um, and they've been cleared through DNA analysis. Okay, and, you always have that other so, kind of evidence. We have the DNA. Sure. We might have other witnesses. We might have an alibi that you can check to see, well, this person couldn't have been at the grocery store when you think right. he was. He had right. to be somewhere else. This is the proof. So hopefully you get that person acquitted, get that person off. In the case of a ghost, you can't touch it, I don't think. <laughs> well, well, actually, as, as you probably know, there are people that disagree with you. Uh, I've, I've talked to people who said they felt ghosts. If, if your belief is that ghosts presence, are dangerous, but you don't basically go up to the ghost and shake their hand, you will feel a presence. Something is here, and now I see it, and now it's gone. So I felt it, I saw it, but I can't touch it. I can't get well, the uh, uh, fingerprint. What distinction are you making between feeling it and touching it? Feeling in the sense of I sense a presence, okay? I sense something is weird, something's happening. I see the ghost, and maybe the ghost says something or not. I don't know. Okay, so how do I go about proving that? That's the well, rub. That's the problem. How do I prove what I saw is what I saw? Well, right. There's a couple things. First of all, uh, you know, as you know, the, the issue comes down a lot of times to psychology because people can sense things that don't exist. Uh, one example that I give is a friend of mine told me I, I'd known him for several years, and I noticed that he never... He never came to visit my house. Um, I didn't know if it was, you know, because I had B.O. or he didn't like me or whatever else. And he finally told me that the reason he, he, he never came to visit me was because I live across a river. And he had panic attacks about crossing a bridge. And in this case, I mean, the, it was very real. He had panic attacks. He had sweating. He could feel the pressure on him. But it was, it was in his head. It, wasn't, it, was, it had nothing to do with external reality. So, you know, people, just because someone senses something, uh, it doesn't necessarily correspond with anything real. And That's and, what I said. That's the whole point. Right. The point being, exactly. how do you quantify the reality? And that's, of course, the dilemma we try to explore in the paranormal is how to take all these experiences that people have had and see if we can make some sense or maybe we can't make sense of them. Maybe they are almost like, you know, religious miracles that things happen, but we really can't prove it except for the eyewitness testimony. And there you go. <laughs> We have Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra, which is what we're going to get into next. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors. Meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible to run and organize. Use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen. Making collaboration seamless. GoToMeeting is so 
easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. That's GoToMeeting.com, promo code PODCAST. Here we go. The Spring Break $99 deal from Life Change Tea. Hit it, boys. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. But you better hurry because it's going fast. That's right. Two months of super tea and a 45-day supply of fat burners for just 99 bucks. Spring into hell for just 99 bucks. Feel good. Clean your body. Lose weight. It works immediately, so call now. 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can purchase online at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. And remember... Sunny, if you want it, here it is. Come and get it, but you better hurry because it's going fast. That's getthetea.com. The U.S. economy is at a tipping point. 40 cents of every dollar the government spends is borrowed. The president of the Federal Reserve in Dallas was recently quoted saying, this path will lead to insolvency, resulting in the collapse of our government and our economy. Our country can't function like this, and neither can your household. That's why you need to prepare, and priority one is your food supply. Fortunately, it's easy and affordable with the help of Ready Reserve Foods. Ready Reserve Foods has been a premier supplier of long-term storable foods for 37 years. Their unique process assures the highest quality long-term food storage available with a 25-year shelf life. A full-year supply of quality food for two people costs a fraction of what you pay at the grocery store. For a free, full-color catalog, call 800-453-2202. That's 800-453-2202. Or visit readyreservefoods.com. Ready Reserve Foods, making preparedness simple since 1972. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at UtopiaSilver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Benjamin Radford, the guest. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. 
Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So now we move to the book. What, for those who haven't explored this subject, is a chupacabra? My latest book, yes, the chupacabra. Well, the chupacabra, um, it's it's the world's third best-known monster after uh, Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster. And it's probably the world's second best-known vampire after Dracula. It's said to uh, su- to suck blood out of its prey. It's, it's a vampire. Um, and chupacabra means goat sucker in Spanish because goats are supposed to be its favorite prey, uh, even though it's been said to kill and, and take blood out of domestic pets and cattle and, and um, pigs and, and livestock and other things. It's, it originally came from Puerto Rico in Latin America. Uh, in 1995, it was first sighted then. Uh, and since that time, it's appeared um, in several different forms around the world, primarily in, the, in North and South America. Uh, but it's now, no, it's now known worldwide. I mean, it's essentially a global phenomenon. Let's look through the history. How far back can you go in doing this kind of research? Well, that's, that's a great question because uh, when I began my research, and, and I should just point out that I've, I've been investigating these sorts of cryptids and cryptozoological things for, for many years now. I, I co-wrote a book called Lake Monster Mysteries in 2007 that dealt with, with lake monsters, and I've also done stuff on Mothman and Chupacabra and, and Bigfoot and other things as well. So I, I, I already had sort of a pre-existing framework for doing these analyses. And when I looked into it, I had always sort of assumed that uh, the chupacabra had been around for decades. Uh, you know, if you look at the lore of of Bigfoot, for example, or the Loch Ness monster, those claim to to go back in some cases centuries. Uh, if you're going, if you believe uh, like old uh, Native American stories and tales, uh, but in the case of the chupacabra, what I found is that it really only dates back to 1995. It's a very very new creature. It's only been around for 15 or 16 years. Um, so that was one of the things that really intrigued me about the monster was, well, well, hold on here. I mean, how, you know, real animals, real biological, zoological creatures don't appear out of nowhere. I mean, it's not like, you know, the leopard suddenly appeared, you know, in 1983, New Jersey. That was a real puzzling thing was, well, why, why weren't there reports of chupacabras? Uh, in in the 50s and 60s and 70s and, and even earlier, uh, but there there just weren't, or at least there weren't any that I've been able to find. What caused it to happen when it happened? Where did it start? So you, you, you go back to the original Chupacabra, which began in August of 1995 in Puerto Rico, uh, in the suburb of Canovanas, outside of the capital of San Juan. And uh, a woman named Madeline Tolentino uh, was the first person to see the chupacabra. And she gave a very, very detailed description of what she saw. And uh, she said it was three to five feet tall. Uh, and it was bipedal, had, um, had a row of distinctive spikes going down the back. It had uh, long arms and legs and sort of distinctive red or black wraparound eyes, uh, no nose to speak of, smaller absent ears, uh, things like that. And she just gave this very, very detailed description, uh, which uh, soon became uh, the, the, the standard template, uh, classic example of the chupacabra that went worldwide. Um, and, uh, and it was just, it just, you know, basically what happened was that, uh, that her, her sighting was sort of co-opted by UFO believers in Puerto Rico. There's a, a very strong, as you probably know, there's a very strong UFO believer presence in Puerto Rico. And, uh, one of the main, uh, people there, a man named Jorge Martin, 
uh, heard her story and, and created a, a drawing based on her depiction. And from there, it just basically went all over the world through the Internet. So that was the original type of chupacabra. And that was seen, uh, again, primarily in Puerto Rico in 1995, 1996, 1997. And by 2000, it wasn't seen so much. I mean, there was a sighting here or two, but it had mostly faded away. Well, uh, it moved to Chile. Well, well, that's in some cases in moved to Chile. There, there was claims that uh, that you know there was a, a rash of uh, animal um, deaths in Chile. Um, although uh, in my research, people weren't necessarily um, describing the original chupacabra in in those accounts. Uh, primarily, people were saying that that something, pr- presumably the chupacabra, uh, had attacked the animals. Uh, but uh, it, because this was done overnight uh, well, and in the evening, then, nobody's I- seen it. Excuse me for interrupting. I, I, I mm-hmm. do uh, disagree with you on that. I've, I've done quite a bit of research into the subject, and there were quite a number of reports in April, uh, May, and June of 2000, and some of them described uh, very, very similar um, – uh, there were very similar descriptions to the Puerto Rico um, version of this, and we're going to get into the other versions, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. And and it was described as having a, a row of spines down its back. There were a number of reports that described uh, leathery type wings. Right. Um, other reports described it uh, able to leap in a, a very abnormal way, which uh, also we found in some of the early uh, reports from Puerto Rico. So, I mean, it's not exclusively a description of a what appears to be just a, a Puerto Rican version of this. There have been other descriptions of it from elsewhere. I just wanted to uh, point that out. No, no, I'm, you're I'm absolutely sorry to interrupt. No, you're absolutely right. And I didn't mean to suggest that, that the Puerto Rican version of Chupacabra hadn't been seen in Latin America because it was seen and reported in Mexico and Chile and Argentina and elsewhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, there's there's I don't I don't. But you're uh, correct. It did kind of fade out in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and as you point out, it, it sort of reappeared in various other places. And and you know, when you back go back and look at the original descriptions of the chupacabra, uh, the 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 one that Tolentino gave out is the most popular and most the you know best known depiction. But there, as you point out, there are a wide variety. Some people said it have a tail. Some people said it doesn't have a tail. Some people reported wings. Some people said it didn't have wings. So there was actually quite a bit of variation within that that original prototype. Yeah, and it's also important, I think, to point out that this is almost exclusively a Latin American uh, country sort of of phenomenon. Uh, Although I think uh, about two or three years ago, there were some reports that may have filtered out of Russia. But Mm -hmm. um, I think by and large, these these reports are pretty much exclusively from from Spanish American uh, speaking or Spanish speaking countries. And then we get into the canine types, which is a whole different uh, subject, I think. Um, But continue again. Sorry. Right. No, well, no, you're quite right. The the Chupacabra is primarily limited to Spanish speaking areas with the exception of Brazil, where they speak Portuguese. And there were some reports of, of, uh, of the Chupacabra, or at least a, a presumably similar related creature called uh, Obicho in, 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 in Brazil as well. So, yeah. Okay, the book is called Tracking the Chupacabra, and I guess the question I'm going to ask you before we go further, all these reports, specifically in a special part of the world for the most part, do you think that they were seeing conventional animals of some kind, or do you see any evidence at all for weirdness here? You're referring to the original uh, type of chupacabra? And then the sequels. 
Well, the thing is with eyewitness accounts is that you can't just lump them all together and say there's one blanket explanation for them because because there isn't. Uh, there's a wide variety of things that people may have seen. Uh, some people may have seen in in original in original in originally Puerto Rico in the in the 90s. Uh, people may have seen resinous monkeys uh, was one explanation. Dogs, um, strange things at night. So I, I don't think that there's one blanket explanation for all of them. I think that some of the reports were clearly fictional. Uh, I, I came across lots and lots of accounts that just just simply <laughs> simply had no credibility to them whatsoever. Uh, other accounts were were quite believable. Someone saw something out of the corner of their eye, and, and who knows what that was. I want to ask you some more details about that in a moment, such as how do we know that maybe they just made things up? We'll have to look into that further. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra, the Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction, and Folklore. From Benjamin Radford, here's how you contact us. If you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, write to us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We guarantee we will read each and every message you send. We will respond to most of them, Chris or I, or one of our moderators on our forums. Speaking of our forums, forum.powercast.com. Forum.powercast.com. This is the place they're talking about all over the planet online. The famous Paracast community forums. You can participate. You can become a member. Go to forum.powercast.com. Forum.paracast.com. Sign up. In a few moments, you can get in on all the action. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Freedom, the blistering anti-globalist anthem from the rock band Ravelin. I can quote, have their tools. Flexibility with the rules. Just one of 11 great songs from the album Under the Sun. Available on iTunes and at Ravelin.com. R-A-V-E-L-Y-N. Ravelin.com. Spring and a new growing season are here. Plant a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, Organica Seed is healthy seed. Never buy home canning jar lids again. 
No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, are indefinitely reusable, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793, 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Ben Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. We're going to look at these weird creatures and see whether there is really something true to them, just misidentification, someone just making it all up, trying to get a little publicity, maybe drinking too much of the sauce. What's the reality? Co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. Okay, so I guess you were raising the different categories of sightings, and I gather some people who maybe are just making it all up. How do you know that? I don't assume that people are making it up at all. Uh, in fact, my my assumption in, in this investigation, as in all my investigations, is that most people are sincere, genuine eyewitnesses. Uh, most people really believe they saw something. So I found very, very few cases where people were actually making it up. Uh, I found many more cases where people simply were reporting things that they that they that I you know they they saw something out of the corner of their eye and their eyes sort of and their you know their minds sort of filled in the details. Well, we also have hundreds and hundreds of animal carcasses as well, uh, which I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point. But but you do have physical evidence of some some sort of predatory uh, presence. So we <laughs> we always sure. have to keep that in mind. So oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and of course uh, you know predation has been a has plagued mankind for for millennia so there's there's no doubt that there are animals that attack other animals yeah <laughs> okay so someone sees something in the corner of their eye and they confabulate something that's maybe weird so what might they have seen other than something weird or paranormal or whatever 
Oh, again, it depends on the specific case. Um, you know, there was a taxi driver that reported that he saw some bipedal winged creature running along his taxi uh, at night. Uh, I have no idea what that was. Um, it could have been a hoax. It could have been, I, I have no idea. So, again, you have to go by the specific case. It's, it's kind of hard for me to give you a blanket explanation. Because okay, well, let's look at that one case. All, I different. don't know. It could have been something else. I don't know what it might have been. It's mistaken. He saw something that was fairly normal at night. Of course, the vision isn't very good. You don't really get a clear indication of what you're seeing. So he, you know, saw something and made it up, made up the rest of the story. What? I have no idea. I mean, what you do find a lot of times is that is that the eyewitnesses themselves are actually much more reserved in their accounts than what you see in the in the news media. Uh, I, I encountered many cases uh, where it seemed that the reporters uh, who were writing the, the stories either for El Vocero, which is a, a tabloid in, in Puerto Rico or elsewhere, they sort of spiced up the story. I don't, I'm not going to say they, they fabricated it, but certainly they, they added some details and sort of made it sound more dramatic than the eyewitnesses themselves uh, made it out to be. Those dang reporters. Yeah, you watch out for those dang reporters. Okay, so in this particular situation here, it was the press that made a big deal of it. In the case of Chupacabra, there, there were actually two different factors. One of them was, again, the co-opting by UFO believers in Puerto Rico of Tolentino's original description, uh, because they believed uh, that, it, that, that, that the Chupacabra was probably uh, an extraterrestrial, or at least connected with extraterrestrials. The second thing was... Um, so the UFO people, people who believe in UFOs or investigate UFOs, you're suggesting here that they will make these cases seem to be something related to the UFO belief, not something No, totally Gene, different. really, you, you don't think that that could ever happen, do you? Oh, sure. <laughs> but you know, I'm, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. God, that's a, a real major problem in this field, as, as all three of us know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I there are you know, many, many different uh, ideas about what the Chupacabra is. Some people believe it's an alien pet. Some people believe it's the result of a, a top-secret U.S. government genetic, genetic experiment. Some people think that it's the cause of the, the AIDS virus. Some people believe that it's, uh, it's a sign of Armageddon and the end times. An opinion's a dime a dozen, mm-hmm. and we can believe anything we want. But right now we're assuming then that in some cases the media is – exaggerating something that might be very simple misidentification of some kind of conventional creature, simple explanation, but somebody, a news reporter or his or her editors, they embellish the event so it becomes something more than it was. Is that the case? That, that, that's often what you find when you go back and, and research the original accounts, uh, the original tabloid accounts in Puerto Rico in 1996, 1997. Many of the stories, not all of them, but many of them are clearly uh, embellished and exaggerated. Uh, there, was one, there was one particular example I talked about in the book where uh, a reporter talked about how a, a young girl had seen the chupacabra, had been kidnapped by it. The chupacabra then tattooed or had some sort of skin marks on the girl. Uh, it then escaped, and then the girl turned out to – then the girl shortly became a genius, uh, a child prodigy. Uh, it's not clear whether whether it was the tattoo or the chupacabra, but – um, and th- this was reported as a straight Chupacabra news story. And it's, it's, you know, it's a weekly mind, world news kind of thing. Essentially, it is. Okay. But, but you have to, but, but this is, you know, that was not untypical of a lot of the news coverage uh, of the original Puerto Rican Chupacabra. I mean, so that, that's actually not, <laughs> that wasn't atypical of, of what people were hearing about. Okay, so separating the story, 
the news story where you have the tabloid writers taking anything out there and making up something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know that President Carter met with Martians or something, whatever it was back in the 70s. Okay, so we go back to the original event. How do you do that? Do you go back to the original witnesses or you do you assume because the tabloid has all this elaborate <laughs> invention behind it that there can't possibly be anything that has a reality to it? Well, in this case, I did a couple different things. Uh, one of them was I researched uh, as much as I could on the original accounts uh, that were taken at the time in Puerto Rico. So for that, I, I relied heavily on Scott Corrales's book, Chupacabras and Other Mysteries, uh, in which he reports quite a few accounts um, from from the time. The other thing I did was the other thing I did was uh, go to Puerto Rico and I interviewed eyewitnesses there, uh, as, as well as the original eyewitness, Madeline Tolentino, who who's basically citing spurred the the entire the entire chupacabra form and typhoid Mary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pretty much. And then the other, then the third thing I did was uh, I went to uh, library archives in Puerto Rico and San Juan and elsewhere, and I researched original Chupacabra uh, reports uh, beca- because I, I speak decent Spanish. I photocopied them and I could read them, and um, and so I, I got information from there. And that 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 sort of gives you a more a, a more original source, a pr- more primary source than just sort of you know third hand stories. Do you think part of the problem is that? People are taking too many of the third-party stories, the third-hand, the extravagant headlines in these tabloids, and running with it and just taking any event anywhere as being part of this chupacabra mystery? I think that's exactly what's going on. Um, yeah. and, you know, and I agree with you, Ben, on that, too. Yeah, uh, and, and Chris agrees with me on that, so so we're good. Um yeah, I mean, that's, that's folks, you know, Chris agrees with you. We know it's not a mystery. Let's go on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Move on. Well, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm with a caveat. Uh, I agree that, that part of what we're seeing here and, and I think the uh, that it should be stressed that, uh, you know, your point at the at the top of the show about this all of a sudden appearing out of nowhere in 1995 um, is, I think, really telling and. I think the spread of this whole meme in the culture is uh, is an, a perfect example of how uh, urban legends and, and uh, popular sort of modern myths get started, propagated, and spread. You know, uh, this is a good example. I'm not saying that that, that there's not the possibility of something being behind this mystery, uh, some sort of real predatory presence that is being um, that is being talked about. But I, I don't think it really bears. Uh, too much of a resemblance of what the pop culture version of it is. No, I, I would agree with you, and you make a very good point, which is that is it's not A or B. It's not one or the other. It's not as if either there is a real chupacabra or this is a media hyped monster. Uh, it's you know, you know it's it, it could be both. Um, uh, you know, regardless of whether you believe in chupacabra or not, it's an undeniable fact that the media and the pop culture is a huge part of the lore surrounding it. Uh, so I, I would argue that, in fact, um, uh, you, you, that the entire phenomenon or much of the phenomenon has been propelled without a, a true uh, chupacabra at its core. I said we might we might differ there uh, a little bit on that. I do have a sense that there is something uh, high strange at the core of this. I think that the actual events uh, that could be attributed to this particular entity or whatever you want to call it are are uh, a small, small percentage of, of the overall appearance of the of the whole mystery but uh again this is where we differ you 
I, I assume that there are um, law enforcement officials and veterinarians and, and others who are able to determine cause of death and uh, whether an animal has been truly exaggerated. This is a, an, an element that you bring up, I think, very effectively in your book. This is one of the mainstays of this phenomenon, that these animals are drained of blood and fluids. And having uh, undergone this same scenario in the cattle mutilation phenomenon, uh, I find that it's, it's highly um, – it's it's just not true. Uh, these animals, I don't think, are drained. I, I know that the cattle are, are very rarely drained of fluids uh, mm. in all the cases that I've checked. So we'll go into the CSI elements beliefs. in a moment. We'll have all the CSI coverage here. This is the Paracast CSI edition. We're talking to Ben Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Ben Radford, the book Tracking the Chupacabra, or maybe there's nothing to track after all. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, why don't you pick up on what you started with in our last segment? Well, yes, we were talking, uh, Gene and Ben, about uh, the whole, I think, uh, erroneous assumption uh, that is made in not only in chupacabra cases, I think in, in many of them, if not most, but also in the cattle mutilation phenomenon. You so often see the, the description drained of blood. You know, one of the things that I kind of <laughs> ended up having to do when I would be faced with this claim by a rancher or by uh, the discoverer, let's say, of a, a supposedly mutilated cow is I just get a big strong my, my brother or a couple of friends we flip the thing over and there's all your fluids um, mm -hmm. they just come rolling out of the body cavity now it's more difficult to determine uh, the extent of any exaggeration in a small animal like a chicken or uh, you know especially fowl but uh, in larger animals like goats and swine um, cattle sheep, um, it's fairly easy to determine whether the animal has been drained. And I, I do applaud you, Ben, on pointing out the, um, the problem that we have in trying to get to the bottom of this mystery when this is constantly being put up as evidence of, of high strangeness. And I personally know that it's probably not the case. So anyway, right. I just wanted to point that out. And, and why don't you continue? 
No, I, I appreciate that, and, and I think I think we're in in complete agreement with that. Um, you know, when I was reading uh, some of the original accounts, uh, for, for example, in, in Scott Corrales' book uh, Chupacabras, dozens and dozens of times I would read the phrase or something like, you know, without a drop of blood or without any blood at all or had been drained of, and I would just read this over and over and over and over again, and I, I kept waiting for somebody with some authority and some medical authority to say that yes, this is, had in fact been very verified and uh it, it's the it's the exact same case with chupacabra reports in general which is that uh almost invariably nobody bothered to look nobody bothered to do an actual good um veterinary or necropsy uh to determine that there was in fact blood loss and in the cases where people did do that there was no blood loss um and so that that that's sort of a big part of the the, the mystery to my mind that has really been uh, you know, not as widely known as it should be. That that you know, if, if things are not actually legitimately, genuinely drained of blood, then we don't need to look for a vampire that has drained the blood out of those things because there's no blood to worry about. So where do we have this disconnect? Where did they take instances where? There was no drained blood, and then we add that X factor to it. To my mind, it's because uh, most people would possibly make the connection between uh, the things that they find and vampirism. Uh, you have to realize that if in many of these these, so, these so-called chupacabra victims, they were attacked by by canids, uh, dogs, coyotes, foxes, things like that, and the way those animals attack is with a bite to the neck. And and that would typically leave two or four, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, puncture wounds at the neck. And people will always say, well, no, 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 you know, this, this couldn't be a dog attack or this couldn't be a coyote attack because the coyote would, would eat the whole thing. And that's simply incorrect. It's factually wrong. I did a fair amount of research into wildlife predation, primarily uh, dog and, and wolf and, uh, and coyote predation. And that's that's not at all what happens on occasion. Some, yeah, they, they, sometimes they just kill for the for the sake of killing. They do. And, and they and they'll bite them on the neck and then they'll run away. And if someone later comes across an animal, say a goat that's dead and it has two puncture marks on the neck, but it's, it's otherwise, you know, there's no other sign of, of blood or no, no, there's no sign of death. It's just this animal's dead. The only thing that I can see is two, two, you know, two bite marks on the neck. Then it's not an illogical sort of leap. Actually, it is an illogical leap, but unfortunately, it's a common leap to say, well, maybe it was uh, attacked by a vampire. And so I think that's where a lot of people make that connection. Are we too obsessed with vampires? I mean, we have vampires on TV, constant reference to vampires these days, I think more than the days we had Dracula movies. Is that part of why we get this kind of story? I, I think that that's part of it. I mean, in my in my research, I actually trace the vampire mythos uh, back to, you know, the, you look at the, Euro, the European vampires. Um, and I think there's a pretty strong connection. I make that connect. I make that argument in the book that you can draw a pretty good, a pretty strong line between the European vampires in the, say, 1700s uh, to the Chupacabra. And I also go into uh, African vampires and Latin American vampires as well. And so to my mind, the, the Chupacabra in a real way is just sort of an updated version of the European vampire. And uh, there's some there's some more interesting parallels. I don't know how in-depth you want to get into it, but there's there's some interesting parallels there. So we have something here that suddenly it springs upon us, a chupacabra. And all new, there's nothing that you can find in folklore anywhere about a similar creature. 
Was that your testimony, sir? That's not quite right. It, again, it, it depends on it depends on how you, how you're defining it. I mean, certainly because because the vampire motif is universal, uh, you know, cultures all over the world and for for dag- for you know centuries and millennia have stories about vampires. The ancient Greeks had stories about vampires. So the, the vampire idea is not new. Uh, what I am arguing is that, as far as I can tell, prior to 1995. There was no blood-sucking beast called the chupacabra uh, in Puerto Rico or anywhere else. Uh, and and you've, you've actually offered a reward for any earlier cases, if uh, memory serves me correct. You, you're actually actively trying to find uh, some cases that predate that 95 date. That's exactly right, because uh, in the last few weeks uh, since my book has been out, I've, had, I've been contacted by a dozen or so people who have told me, uh, that I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. And then the, they, they specifically personally remember hearing about the chupacabra in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s uh, in Texas and New Mexico and Puerto Rico and elsewhere. It's possible, but all I can tell you is that, that I couldn't find any, any previous references to the chupacabra uh, before, the, before 1995. And, um, and if, if someone can find a published reference to the word chupacabra, meaning a vampire beast, not something else, because there actually was a chupacabra uh, that referred to a bird that supposedly sucked the milk out of goats, but not blood and not, not a vampire beast. So, I, yeah, I'm offering a $250 reward. Plus a signed copy of my book. Okay, two hundred fifty dollars. This is not like the amazing Randy one million dollar type of work. <laughs> no, I, I I I can't afford that. I'm just a poor writer. <laughs> oh come on, Ben, pony it up, man. Well, hey, I mean, it's 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 easy. I mean, like this is how I see it. I mean, if if these hey, people, I'm, I'll I'll start looking for you. I'll, no, I want to claim that. It should be easy to find. I mean, this is not yeah, rocket science. Cool. Either it's there, or it's not. Well, let's let's digress real quick and and. And look at how the term chupacabra was uh, was kind of inadvertently and uh, in almost in a comedic way, literally uh, applied to this particular phenomenon. The story is very interesting, wasn't it? Some uh, Puerto Rican comedian, I think, that kind of coined the term, and it stuck. And, and there were songs written and, and other pop yeah. culture yeah. Uh, stuff that kind of propelled the whole whole thing along. Yeah, the, the, well, there's a couple of things. Um, um, Lauren Coleman uh, did some research and dug up a, a reference to a chupacabra on the TV show Bonanza in 1960. But again, that referred to specifically to, to a bird and not to any sort of vampiric beast. Um, the first reference that I've been able to find is, is uh, to the chupacabra. There's actually two people that I know for certain that, that claim to have coined it. The most famous one is a man named Silverio Perez. Who is who is uh, who was and I, I think still is a popular um, uh, radio uh, entertainer in, in Puerto Rico, and my understanding is that he claimed that he he coined uh, the word chupacabra uh, in '95, shortly after the the some of the first uh, animal uh, deaths became public, uh, and at that point it became a joke. I mean, it was you know he, he was he he meant it as a joke. It wasn't the oh my god you should be scared. It's like. Hey, here's a chupacabra goat sucker, blah blah blah, and yeah, it, it, and then it suddenly spun off into you know, or t-shirts and hats and songs and and little chupacabra, you know, tchotchke and figurines and you know, t-shirts and you name it. So it, it quickly, the Puerto Ricans themselves quickly embraced the chupacabra. Many of them feared it. I mean, there there was a there was and still is a real belief in chupacabra among many Puerto Ricans, but many other Puerto Ricans just saw it sort of as, a, as kind of a joke. There's their, their local version of Bigfoot. So it's all for entertainment, and we'll make some more movies about it because, for heaven's sake, the movie industry is suffering now. Maybe we need a good 
Chupacabra film to kind of straighten things out, get the box office revenues up. We have Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Barrycast. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Dr. David Berry has provided excellent advice for all those interested in practical economics and sound money. It's certainly worth reading. That's what Congressman Ron Paul said about Cha-Ching Wisdom, 123 Practical Universal Truths About Money, the new book by Dr. David Berry. The cool part of this book, certainly it'll speak to you personally, your life, your lifestyle, your, your money, your investments, but it also can be generalized into the nation. What's going on as a nation? We do these same things as, personally that we do as a nation. Dr. Berry's book, Cha-Ching Wisdom, presents many facets of your relationship with the once almighty dollar and how current national and international politics affect your daily life. Some of the other things are, are about that. They're not just uh, economic, they're philosophical. There's psychology involved in this book. There's philosophy involved in this book. Read Cha-Ching Wisdom by Dr. David Barry, only $9.95, available at chachingwisdom.com. That's C-H-A-C-H-I-N-G wisdom.com. Chachingwisdom.com. Hello again, I'm back. This is John Swenson at Midas Resources. And I want to address a couple of issues that I hear about daily when we're talking about gold and silver. First, is there anything to suggest that sunny skies are just ahead? We continue to print fiat dollars, inflation worsens, there's civil unrest around the world, and the demand for gold and silver has never, ever been higher. Next, if you heard that possessing metals is a complicated process, I assure you that whether we're discussing a direct purchase or an IRA rollover, this is a simple, straightforward transaction. This is all about protecting your assets, and frankly, what are your options? The stock market, real estate, metal certificates? I don't think so. Please call me, 800-686-2237, extension 128. I promise a casual conversation, no pressure, no nonsense. I'm John Swenson at 800-686-2237, extension 128, and I sincerely look forward to hearing from you. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. 
Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866 404 That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. That's the Chupacabra, ladies and gentlemen. You just heard him on the Paracast. He's taken over the body of Chris O'Brien, our co-host. Ooh. <laughs> I am not a chupacabra. No, I you promise. don't sound like one. I haven't decided what you sound like, but it's not chupacabra. We'll have to see whether Gary Oldman will play that role. You know, when he Ooh. gives up on Batman, you know, the Dark Knight rises, you know, and he has to give up being Commissioner Gordon. He can play a chupacabra for everybody. The book is tracking the chupacabra. With Benjamin Radford. Chris, why don't you pick up on the discussion? Yeah, this is a, a real fascinating subject to me because I, I think we're, we're dealing with uh, a number of issues uh, that we've, we've been kind of playing around with here. And that is the very belief in a mystery such as this can grow its own legs and, it, it, and literally have a life of its own once it gets loose into the culture. And, and the whole idea of belief in something I feel it uh, has a lot more strength and power than your average sociologist would uh, would agree to. And I, I even have a sense that uh, if, if enough people believe fervently in something, that there is a possibility that the culture itself or the subculture can actually manifest phenomena that conform to that belief. And it, it becomes a self-perpetuating meme in the culture. And and I think uh, this is a classic example and probably one of the better textbook illustrations of this. Again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's not something at the core of this. I, in fact, I do have a sense that there is. But I think it's all the interesting sort of subtext that you have to kind of wade through uh, mm-hmm. in, in an effort to investigate this properly and get to the core of this uh, like, like you've done, Ben. And I, I must uh, you know, applaud you on the very methodical way that you have approached the subject. Now, I've, I've known um, Scott Corrales for a number of years. I do feel that he's doing a great job uh, covering the media portion of the UFO phenomenon down in, in Latin America. He is connected with a lot of investigators down there. What are your uh, observations about his book, Chupacabras and Other Mysteries, which for a long time was really the only um, extensive work that we had on the subject? I mean, you know, how professional a job did he do in your, in your estimation, um, interviewing witnesses? and trying to avoid that, uh, that problem that you have with mainstream media in, in sensationalizing the subject. 
I have uh, I sort of have mixed feelings about Mr. Corrales. I appreciate some of the work he's done. I think he's done a real service to uh, to the cryptozoological community and the, the the paranormal community in general for a number of things. One of them is helping to make available Spanish language materials, certainly original source materials, for uh, non Spanish speakers. That is a task that is often thankless, and that's something he's done a very good job of. And I I congratulate him on that. And that that, that is a real service, and, and I think that's useful. My problem with, with him is that I found that he oftentimes doesn't inject as much commentary into what he's reporting as he should. Uh, for somebody who is as knowledgeable about the Chupacabra, uh, or Chupacabras, as, as he prefers an S at the end, but I'm not going to use it, that, uh, you know, there's times when I read his reports and his translations, and it, it, there's so there are clearly self contradictions inherent in this, and you know, and I can't believe that he doesn't recognize that that some of the things he's saying just simply cannot be true, or or, or, or certainly merit commentary. I, I I used his book quite a bit, um, as you pointed out, for you know ten years or whatever. It was basically the only serious work on the Chupacabra. And it's useful, certainly, in that regard. But I found it to be far too gullible for my taste. It just, the, you know, his, his, his reporting is, is it's, it's useful for as far as it goes. But I kept waiting for him to sort of say, well, of course, as we know, this can't be true because X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I'm not saying that he himself is gullible, necessarily, but that I felt that some of his reporting needed to have a little more skepticism and, and sort of critical thinking behind it. So I actually tried to interview him several times for the Chupacabra book. And, you know, I, I had a series of questions. I interviewed uh, Lauren Coleman and, and John Downs and Carl Schuker and others. And I really wanted to have Scott's input on it because other than me, he probably knows more about the Chupacabra than anyone else alive, uh, with, with all due respect. Uh, but he refused. Uh, he, he said that he didn't want to do it. Uh, in fact, he made some comment, as I recall, to Lauren, uh, something about how he didn't want to, I don't know, think of wallowing with pigs or something. He made some sort of comment about how he felt that, that answering my questions or participating in the book would somehow demean him, uh, which Ouch. I didn't see at all. Because, uh, again, I, I, Scott doesn't come off real well in the book, but it's not, it's not out of any antagonism. He just didn't, he didn't answer questions, and he, I, I would have I loved to have his, more of his input in the book. And, and if, I do, if the book goes into a set, second printing i would welcome his his input and i would treat him fairly and i'd like to have him uh, be part of it but you know, again i can't i can't force him to 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 be part of it so well you know again i i i, I kind of agree with you on that case and in fact this is this is something that that i've actually uh, found um having to answer to from people who have looked at my work and said that uh you'd just too f factual in terms of, of trying to 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 convey the information that was given to you, and you, you you're unwilling to put your neck out and state whether you you think that this is BS or this is you know, real or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And 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 I do tend to take a journalistic approach in some subjects, but in Scott's case, I think he did a good job of of assembling quite a number of very interesting cases that I. I feel some of them definitely had merit, and um, the law mm -hmm. enforcement um, uh, case, for instance, and the uh, um, one of the elements that um, that I, I feel may be important is the the sulfur smell that's been mm -hmm. associated um, with some of these uh, cases in Puerto Rico and in uh, Chile and, and other places. There are certain elements that I think um, need to be investigated more fully, 
And, um, you know, hopefully if Scott does continue working uh, in this particular uh, realm uh, on this mystery, that he, he dives in a little bit more and, and is willing to put his, uh, put his opinion out there and, um, and take your suggestion to heart. I, I, I think it would be good. Yeah, and again, I mean, uh, to my mind, we're all we're all ultimately on the same page here. Um, you know, I'm I'm you know certainly probably more of a skeptic than 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 you two are and most of your audiences. But ultimately, the way I see it is that we're all trying to find the answer. We're all trying to understand the truth here. And you know, I I, I don't have any access to grind on this. I'm you know I I'm not I'm not getting paid more or less. I'm not getting paid much at all in either event, but I, I don't, I personally don't have a stake in whether the Chupacabra is real or not. I don't care. I, I, I want to find the answer to the mystery. I want to try and solve the mystery as best I can. And if the answer turns out to be that, you know, uh, for example, at one point I, I went to the jungles of Nicaragua and I, I did an expedition there. If I had found some unusual Chupacabra-like creature, I would be the first person to say that. I'm not going to you know, cover it up or try and hide it because it you know, refutes my thesis. I mean, I don't care if, 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 if the evidence is there, the evidence is there. And I think that uh, sort of getting back to the Scott issue, I think that there's a distinction between an investigator and a reporter. And I also see this a lot of times in, in ghost and ghost cases where uh, some of the uh, I also see this a lot of times in, in, in ghost investigations where, uh, for example, some books by Jeff Belanger, uh, who, who's who does the ghostvillage.com website and stuff. And some of his books, um, most of the ghost books out there, they're just, they're just repeating ghost stories. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll get to repeating ghost stories and the quality of investigations in a moment. We have Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra, available now. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. <laughs> Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sores 
sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. The U.S. economy is at a tipping point. 40 cents of every dollar the government spends is borrowed. The president of the Federal Reserve in Dallas was recently quoted saying, this path will lead to insolvency, resulting in the collapse of our government and our economy. Our country can't function like this, and neither can your household. That's why you need to prepare, and priority one is your food supply. Fortunately, it's easy and affordable with the help of Ready Reserve Foods. Ready Reserve Foods has been a premier supplier of long-term storable foods for 37 years. Their unique process assures the highest quality long-term food storage available with a 25-year shelf life. A full-year supply of quality food for two people costs a fraction of what you pay at the grocery store. For a free, full-color catalog, call 800-453-2202. That's 800-453-2202. Or visit readyreservefoods.com. Ready Reserve Foods, making preparedness simple since 1972. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, CrossBreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. You see, that time he didn't sound like a ghost. <laughs> Or it's, someone really, it's a spooky voice. Are you doing that new each time? Actually, yeah. we have a recording here, and what we do is we use a synthesizer, and we just know it. <laughs> Actually, just Chris call me is Mel a Blank. synthesizer. There's only one person here. That's me. Oh. So just call me Mel Blank. We're talking about tracking the chupacabra. Is that real fantasy or somewhere in between? And the guest is Benjamin Radford. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. But now to be very serious for a moment. Okay. And we have questions, by the way, from our audience coming up shortly. So we're talking about the scholarship here where a lot of the people who write books, they just collect stories. They're not really investigating anything or trying to determine fact from fiction. All they care about is collecting stories and writing a, a fun, entertaining book, as 
that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I, I found that over and over again uh, in, in the last you know, 10 or 15 years. Uh, I don't want to suggest that there is not good investigation out there because there is good investigation. Uh, but I would say it's probably less than 5 or 10% of the, of the literature that's out there. You know, for, every, for every magazine article or book uh, that you see written on the subject of the paranormal, whether it's ghosts or chupacabras or psychics, what have you, um, the vast majority of it is just sort of rehashed, often plagiarized information. And, and there's very few people that are actually making a, a sincere effort to do investigations. And that's one reason that I think uh, Chris is doing some good work. Uh, I think he and I, there's a lot of points where, where he and I would disagree, but I, I've read some of his stuff. And I think that, you know, that, that uh, there's, some, there's some good investigation there. Wow, thank you. Uh, coming from you, that's uh, quite a compliment. I, you know, I, I do take um, a, a bit of heat on the uh, Paracast forums uh, for uh, by some of our more skeptical uh, posters uh, for what they uh, claim is my lack of critical thinking, um, that I'm gullible, that I'll, I'll believe any anything that comes down the pike, and 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 actually, it's it's quite the reverse. I I actually started out as as a reporter trying to get to the bottom and explain away some UFO sightings. Uh, is how I actually got involved in all this. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to kind of look at uh, people's motivations. I think in this field. Um, as you're pointing out, there is uh, quite a bit of mystery mongering going on. I think that would be a good term for it. I do think that we do have a a serious lack of critical thinking out there, uh, unfortunately. Um, but w- what we need is really the powers of uh, diagnostic science um, in terms of the chupacabras or, or, for instance, the cattle mutilation phenomenon. We need veterinary pathologists involved. We need mm-hmm. diagnostic labs involved. We need proper crime scene investigative techniques and uh, procedures uh, to be adhered to. There needs to be a, a, a really solid set of protocols uh, in place for proper investigation because then people like you wouldn't be able to look at it and, and look at the data that's uh, gathered and, and just simply toss it aside. If there's something real there, I think you're open-minded enough, Ben, that you would, you would be able to uh, critically look at data and uh, and if there was something there that, that suggested something high strange, I think you would be the first person to admit that. But until yeah. we get to that place, we, we, we're spinning our wheels. Well, yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that's frustrated me for a long time. In fact, my, my previous book is called uh, Scientific Paranormal Investigation, How to Solve Unexplained Mysteries. And in that book, I lay out what, what I think are and what other, what many, even many believers have, have said are very good, um, uh, you know, basically guidelines for doing these, these sorts of investigations and doing it from a, a scientific critical perspective. And, and again, the, the purpose isn't to debunk. I don't, I don't consider myself a debunker and I don't really like that term. Uh, I do investigations and I am happy to, to go wherever the investigation leads. And if the answer is that there's a ghost here, then that's great. If the answer there's a, you know, I don't, I don't care. I, I just want to get to the truth. And, um, and that's, that's what I try to do. And, and, you know, I hope that people recognize that even if they disagree with me or even if they think I'm too skeptical or whatever else, at least if they, if they read my work with an open mind and they say, all right, well, you know, he's doing the best he can. And I may have not have solved some of these mysteries to everyone's satisfaction, but I did my best. And frankly, uh, if somebody has a better solution, then bring it to me. If I'm wrong about a fact or an argument, then tell me. I, I don't care. I'd be happy to change. But oftentimes, I just have my critics just sort of take pot shots at me, and and they just they they have a little couple digs here or there, 
and they tell me that, that they think I'm wrong, but they don't have a better answer. I say, okay, what, exactly. what, what, what do you got? You know, this is what I'm doing. What, what do you got? And they, they, they don't have an answer. So that's, uh, you know, I mean, come on. If, you, if you're going to. It comes you know, with the territory. There's, there's just there no way go. around it. It's, it's unavoidable. I want to kind of backtrack a little bit here and look at uh, uh, Typhoid Madeline, uh, mm-hmm. who I think is a very, very important figure in this whole mystery. I am talking about Madeline Tolentino, who uh, you mentioned earlier in the show had the very celebrated sighting and uh, the spinoff uh, illustration that has become pretty much the the sort of go-to picture when people uh, uh, publish anything about a chupacabra. Uh, what, let's look at her case uh, quickly and dissect it a little bit. And you found some uh, pretty interesting facts that seem to uh, indicate that there's possibly a little confabulation going on, that there there may be, um, you know, the, the story has kind of grown a little bit over the years. Why don't, why don't you take us through, the, through her case quickly and, sure. then, and then look at, at how it has progressed over the years? Sure. Uh, yeah. One thing you have to keep in mind is that the chupacabra didn't emerge in a vacuum. I mean, this, this didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, there was a pre-existing belief in Puerto Rico and, and elsewhere that something weird was going on, that there were animals that had been found um, you know, supposedly drained of blood, and I use the word supposedly advisedly, in uh, earlier in 1995, particularly in March of 1995. And so, but nobody had actually seen it. Uh, they had just found these dead animals. And so there was, a, there was some belief that something weird was going on, but nobody had given a description until Mrs. Tolentino. And uh, her description, she said that she saw uh, this this creature during the second week of August. Uh, she doesn't remember the exact date, but she said it was a weekday, so it would be between August 7th and 11th. And she said that um, she saw this thing for three to five minutes and that uh, her mother woke her up and she looked outside this, her window and uh, and she saw this, this weird uh, creature. It had... Um, it had, again, it had distinctive spikes down the back. Um, depending on which time you talked to her, she said that it was actually closer to three feet tall. Uh, when I interviewed her in, in 1990, uh, in, excuse me, in, in 2010, uh, she basically said that um, that it was that the descriptions were actually much smaller than, than what she had seen. Um, and she said it had uh, human hands. Its eyes were big. It didn't have a nose, just two little dots. Uh, the creature's skin was uh, was grayish. It looked kind of like 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 leather when it was wet and wrinkled. It was just a, a a very very detailed. In fact, I would argue impossibly detailed description. Um, so that's that's sort of where that's sort of where she came from with it. So in other words, what you're suggesting here is is the descriptions that she supplied uh, investigators initially, and then in your interview indicates something. Uh, uh, too much detail that there's no way that she could possibly at night have seen something uh, so clearly with so much uh, uh, detail, not to mention her recall of the event itself. Right. In fact, in fact, well, she said that it happened during the daytime, uh, not not at night, which I found oh, kind of interesting. Okay, it was a daytime sighting. I, I'm, yeah. I'm stand corrected. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Uh, there's a lot of confusion around it, but yeah, she. But again, this is this is where it got interesting because when I read uh, her account that's that's published in in Corrales's book, uh, it was very very detailed, and she said things, for example, that uh, that there was a young boy nearby that had actually chased the chupacabra into a nearby field and attack and grabbed it and and, and pried its mouth open and looked at its teeth uh, and the chupacabra jumped away and escaped and this is 
kind of remarkable. You know, I think this is this is odd. This young boy you know, had the presence of mind to you know to do this this you know attack the chupacabra basically and come away unscathed. And wow. so there were there's all these really really interesting weird detailed things. For example, in her original description, she said that the chupacabra had no genitals and no anus. Um, she said that its genitals were uh, I think the the quote is plain and sealed. Um, so it, it, it just struck me as odd that she 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 gave such an incredibly detailed description after nobody had seen anything. I mean, you know, they're just weird things, you know, out of the corner of their eye. Nobody had given any description. All of a sudden, we have this incredibly detailed description. I'll tell you what. What's also incredibly detailed is the fact that our benefactors have to have a few moments at bat before we continue. Here's how you contact us if you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast. Write to us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We guarantee we will read each and every message you send. Benjamin Radford, the guest, the book, Tracking the Chupacabra. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Freedom, the blistering anti-globalist anthem from the rock band Ravelin. Just one of 11 great songs from the album Under the Sun. Available on iTunes and at Ravelin.com. R-A-V-E-L-Y-N. Ravelin.com. Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, Organica Seed is healthy seed. We all need to prepare ourselves. You might have the food, water, gold, and silver, but ask yourself, are you truly prepared? That's why you need to visit MainMilitary.com. MainMilitary.com carries everything you need. Gas masks, wool blankets, fire starter kits, high-capacity magazines, chemical suits, military surplus items, and much more. Do you own a firearm? MainMilitary.com has a large selection of pistols and rifles suited for your needs. Are your local stores sold out of ammunition? Call or visit them today for prices on hard-to-find ammo and bulk ammo orders. You don't need to worry about having a military surplus store in your area because MainMilitary.com is the only store you'll ever need, all from the comfort of your computer. 
Visit them online today at mainmilitary.com. That's Maine, like the state, military.com. Or call them at 1-877-608-0179. That's 1-877-608-0179. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $220. And the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Philip Rogno. You're listening to Paracast, one of the most informative shows out there. So listen closely. We return with a fascinating description. It sounds like one guy kind of embellished it more than it might have otherwise been. With Benjamin Radford, the book is Tracking the Chupacabra. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So is that all that was, a simple embellishment of something very simple? No. In fact, it turned out to be a very complex case um, because after I read her, her original interviews, Madeline Tolentino's original interviews, some parts of it were just contradictory. They just didn't make sense. Uh, this, the, and what struck me was that this is the this, – understand, this is the best you know, eyewitness account of the Chupacabra ever at any time by anyone. And yet, you if you look more closely at her sighting and the details in her original uh, account, it's just it's just full of, of just strange things that, that that just don't just are illogical. And so I tried to figure out well, where could she have seen this? Strange things that are illogical. I think I want an explanation as to what you mean. Well, for example, uh, she said that you know, I, I gave one example of, of the uh, the young boy that supposedly ran down to the chupacabra, chased it into a field, uh, pried its mouth open, looked at its teeth, uh, and then let it escape. That's strange, and to my mind, it's also illogical that a young boy could do that to a creature that supposedly attacked and, and killed cattle. There's one example right there. Pretty tough kid. Well, you would think. They, they grow them tough around Puerto Rico. Um, well, they grow them tough all over nowadays, you have to be. But I don't know. I don't think I could defeat a vampire Maybe he beast. was a shadow kid. Yeah. I'll tell you what I would do, is, unless he has a brown belt or a black belt or something, but what I would do is run in the other direction as fast as I could, screaming well, you, at the top of my lungs. You would think, but, it, but in fact, if you read Tolentino's original account, she said that her mother ran out the door to chase this creature. Again, I'll to that mother. Well, he's, you know, I've heard of the of the mother protecting her cubs, but you know what? That's pretty hardcore. Sure. Uh, so, so again, there were just parts of this that just weren't making sense, even on even on the level of you know weird cryptid accounts. And so the question then became, well, well, because she gave such a unique, distinctive description, where could she have found that? Where could she have gotten that? And I, I searched all around, I was trying to figure out where might she have seen this, and I finally figured out 
where she got it. And the answer is that the Tolentino saw the original Chupacabra uh, around the same time that millions of other people saw the original Chupacabra. And that was in a 1995 film called Species. Um, she had actually seen this, this film, and the monster in that film uh, looks uh, almost exactly like, like the Chupacabra that she later described. It was just remarkable. The more I looked into it, I, I got all the information I could about the, 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 uh, the film Species and the monster. turned out it was actually designed by H.R. Giger, the, the artist who, who created the alien and, and actually won an Academy Award uh, for his work in the movie Aliens. And he, he designed the, the species um, monster called Sill. It's just the parallels are just amazing. In fact, I spend a chapter in my book just giving all the reasons why the, the, the original Puerto Rican Chupacabra was lifted directly from, from this film. I have no idea what she saw, if anything. Uh, I wasn't there. There were apparently no other eyewitnesses. Um, in one account, she said that her mother and this other young boy saw it. In another account, she said that only she saw it. Um, so I have no idea what you originally saw, but I can tell you that it's crystal clear to me in my research that, that the original description that, that she came up with for the, for the monster or the creature that she saw was, came directly from the sci-fi film. And I think that she, I think that she just got confused. Um, I think that she just mistook something that she saw in a movie with real life. And I know that for a lot of people and a lot of listeners, they'll think that, well, that's ridiculous. People don't do that. In fact, people do that. Uh, in my book, I, I actually give a couple different examples of where uh, in this is these are proven cases where people have have reported seeing uh, creatures and monsters in real life that were taken directly from films. Uh, it's a it's a psychological process called confabulation, and it absolutely does happen. And I, I believe that that's what happened with her. I don't I don't think that Tolentino is a liar. I don't think she's a publicity hound. I don't think she's a hoaxer. I think that she just got confused. Um, okay, well, if someone gets confused, the question is here. If you see something alien, okay, to your experience, you don't understand it, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be common for somebody to say, you know what, this is what I experience in the pop culture. The pop culture is your influence. So you have maybe this popular monster movie, for example. It could be Flying Saucers, mm-hmm. you know, especially all those UFO movies in the 1950s. The Day the Earth Stood Still, I think, inspired Lots of reports about UFOs. And I'm speaking as somebody who thinks there's a lot of significance to a lot of these events, and that's real. There's a reality to be found there. But when you see something alien to your experience, the easiest thing to do would be to apply it to something you know to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that, that would be a good explanation, except for the fact that, um, that she says uh, in, in the interview that appears in Scott Corrales' book and also uh, – I discussed this at length in my book, is that she says that she believed that the, the, the events that were happening in the movie Species were happening at the time in Puerto Rico. This is, this is an important distinction because she didn't just say, you know, the, the monster I saw, it was kind of like that, that movie. She was saying that, that she thought that things were happening, that the, the events in the movie Species were going on in Puerto Rico at the time. And the, the film Species, uh, the first scene is actually set in Puerto Rico at the Arecibo uh, Radio Observatory, and uh, it's set in 1995. Uh, and so uh, it, it's pretty clear to, to, in, to, my, to my reading, and again, people can judge for themselves. I have lots of quotes in the book uh, in terms of what she actually said, um, that she wasn't just saying, oh, it kind of reminded me of it. She was saying that this looks exactly like it. Um, and the, the, the question comes up, well, 
if you're going to claim that she was merely using the movie Species to describe what she saw, well, then you would have to be saying that it's just a remarkable coincidence that the monster that she saw looked almost exactly like this movie monster. Well, maybe it was the one event that she had seen recently, and that is a larger question. Do we know that she saw that movie? Yes, we know that for a couple of different reasons. Okay. The first one is that um, that uh, that I, I asked her point blank when I interviewed her uh, in 2010 in, in Puerto Rico, and I said, "Did you see the movie Species?" And she said, "Yes." More importantly, uh, that her her uh, her account of this actually also appears in in Scott Corrales' 1997 book um, Chupacabras, and in there she she states very explicitly that she saw the the creature there. And um, and she the saw the movie after or before her event. She saw the movie before her sighting. Okay, so was she frightened by the movie? Is that maybe the connection that the movie just scared her out of her wits, and suddenly she's looking for chupacabras everywhere? Again, I I have no idea. I didn't I didn't psychoanalyze her. Um, I think that she she seemed pretty matter of fact about it to me. Um, I, I you know again. I wasn't there. I, I don't know what she saw, if anything. It, it is interesting that uh, in, in her account with me, she was sleeping right before this account, uh, before, right before her sighting. Uh, is it possible that she dreamed the whole thing? I don't know. But uh, I can tell you is that, that nothing about her, her original uh, Chupacabra account, which spawned essentially the whole Chupacabra phenomena, uh, is credible. Okay, spawned the Chupacabra phenomenon. So you're suggesting then, let's kind of sum it up a little bit before we get to listener questions and more mm -hmm. questions from Chris. Okay, sure. so we are suggesting here, based on what you're saying, that we have this one event possibly influenced by this monster movie, mm -hmm. and other events grow out of it. Everyone who reported Chupacabra either saw Species or read her account, or what? Uh, I wouldn't say everyone, because that's that's pretty general. But certainly, if you look at many of the uh, many of the reports of the Chupacabra reports uh, in the wake of her sighting, they were directly influenced by her sighting, and the eyewitnesses say that themselves. They say, you know, I saw. I give a couple quotes in the book. The, the eyewitnesses will say it looked like the 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 drawing I saw in the newspaper of what Tolentino saw. Um, and because the, the, her description, the, the, the famous drawing, appeared not only on the Internet, but on the front page of the local newspaper. So this had widely this, – this was seen widely throughout the island and elsewhere. So basically um, you're saying here that it seems that almost every other encounter reported, either they saw this information or someone told them something that influenced it. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's true for the vast majority of them. And the other point that should be made is that even though you'll read in many places, including Scott's book, that there were dozens or hundreds of other similar eyewitness accounts to Tolentino's, in fact, there weren't, as far as I can tell. There were a handful of them. Okay, uh, so is Scott wrong, dead wrong about this? Yes. Okay. So if he's saying this, how many cases does he have in his book? That book's a few years back, so I don't recall it offhand. Did he have a lot of cases, just a few what? Well, it's important to make a distinction between someone – the problem is that the people will lump them together. They'll say, well, here's the Chupacabra report. Well, what does that mean? Oftentimes, all Chupacabra report means is that someone found a dead animal. They're not – they're very, very specifically not reporting having seen a creature. Certainly okay, so they're looking at something. the end result, which may or may not be something strange. This exactly. is not strange. Benjamin Radford, not a strange guy at all. 
seems well, pretty down to earth. That. We don't always agree with him, but pretty down to earth guy. <laughs> the book is tracking the chupacabra. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I was wondering, since the Chupacabra is a vampire-type beast, maybe somebody should be using a more vampire-type voice. Do you do that, Chris, or not? The Paracast. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that was lame. <laughs> I do. You a said it. I didn't. Voice. I didn't make a comment. I didn't criticize you. I can't Thanks, do. But ben, ben editorialized for you. Well, you know what I can say is I never drink wine. Yeah, and that's yeah. just as bad. The part of the cost. The part of the cost. It's hard to do a, a Bella Lugosi voice with lots of peas. And sounds very. It sounds very fey. I like it. Well, Bella Lugosi was never good at peas. And cues, as for that matter. Tracking the Chupacabras, the book, Ben Radford's our guest, Chris O'Brien's the co-host, trying his best not to sound like Dracula. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. Chris, have you assembled all those questions from our audience? I have, but I've got a couple of my own before we go on. Okay, and, let's and do that, and then you'll that, go right into the other questions. Chris. Okay, and this is something that I think is really important when you're dealing with animal deaths, and that is physical evidence, tracks some sort of veterinary examinations. Uh, based on your research, Ben, how many cases feature some sort of analytical scientific process post-mortem on these animals, to your knowledge? Uh, I couldn't give you an exact number because, of course, people will, you know, people can come up with any sort of reports they want. I, uh, I would say very, very few. I'd say probably less than 5% to, to the best of okay, my knowledge. But, but there, we do have a body of, 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 uh, of data that we could refer to if we dug deep enough. Sure. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for example, I mean, there's, uh, there were a couple of veterinarians who were working in Puerto Rico at the time, at the time meaning 1996, 1997, uh, who examined uh, many of these creatures post-mortem, I think hundreds of them. Uh, and their answer, their conclusion was that they were, they were not, in fact, drained of blood. So in those cases, um, there, the, an autopsy, a necropsy was done, and the answer was there was no vampirism. Did they find uh, crushed trachea, crushed windpipes, that sort of thing, sort of trauma that would indicate, you know, your working theory that, that many of these probably were killed by some sort of predator that would uh, clamp onto the neck area, for instance? <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, the the original uh, accounts. In fact, they were. You could see them. I think there was a TV show called "Is It Real?" on National Geographic, and uh, the, one of the veterinarians was was featured on there, and he he discusses this. Uh, that, that that as far as he could tell, uh, they were just the victims of ordinary predation. How about other uh, physical trace evidence, uh, such as animals uh, like chickens inside a coop that uh, would be protected from what you would think would be your standard. Uh, fox or or wild dog or something like that do we have any cases that feature dead animals in a secure environment uh sure i mean there's cases where you know something got into the chicken coop um you know i i don't doubt for a second that something got into the chicken coop <laughs> the question is was it the chupacabra or was it was it a dog or coyote i don't well, know a dog any- or coyote would leave tracks wouldn't it uh, yeah, and in fact, in most cases, they do find dog uh, or coyote tracks there. Okay, here's another one for you. What about samples of, of saliva, other physical evidence? I, I do seem to recall that um, kind of unusual uh, evidence was left behind in the form of, of some sort of saliva or some sort of fluids that it was assumed came from the predator. Uh, do you know of any testing that has been done? Right. No, you're exactly right. In fact, in in Scott's book, uh, there are multiple references to uh, chupacabra drool or slime or scat or things like that. And in my research, none of it was credible. I tracked down a couple different cases. In in one case, for example, uh, Mrs. Tolentino said that there had been some slime collected by a chupacabra researcher by the name of uh, Linda Moulton Howe. Uh, and uh, and and the, apparently, according to Tolentino, the story was that the slime had been examined by a chemist and and was not of this world, whatever that might mean. Uh, and I actually I actually contacted uh, Mrs. Howe um, for for the book, and I said I'm just wondering what was this anal- what were the results of this analysis that was done this alleged chupacabra slime, and her answer was there was no slime. It, there, you know, Tolentino simply wrong. Um, that no, there was no analysis done, no slime. I also talked to John Downs, uh, the Center for Fortean Zoology, uh, and asked him about it, and he said that he had some uh, analysis done of the slime, and the, the results turned up nothing. So, uh, to the best of my knowledge, all the reports of chupacabra drool, slime, other bodily excretions or whatever else, um, they're all just myths as far as I can tell. How about tracks? Now, I, I do seem to recall that unusual tracks uh, were very rare, but there were a number of cases that featured tracks that didn't conform to your standard neighborhood uh, predator. Can you address that? Sure. Um, the, probably the most famous chupacabra tracks were taken uh, in Florida, um, and uh, the, I discuss that in the, those in the book. And uh, the the universal analysis was that they're they're a hoax. Now, I don't know whether the person that took the tracks uh, committed the hoax or whether they themselves were hoaxed, but it seems pretty clear that, uh, that those tracks just simply are not credible. They're not real. In fact, uh, Esteban Sarmiento, who's a primatologist, uh, did an analysis of it, and he said there, there's no credibility to them. Um, there were also tracks found in Calama, Chile, uh, at some of the attacks there. And those, as far as anybody could tell, I think the, the quote, I don't have it in front of me, but as I recall, the official said that uh, there were nothing that distinguished it from uh, feral dogs. So um, if, if somebody has a, a unique, bizarre, unknown uh, chupacabra track or alleged chupacabra track, I'll be happy to see it. But so far, all the ones that have been examined um, are either hoaxes or of known animals. 
Well, we're kind of running out of uh, possibilities here for any sort of definitive smoking gun evidence that would suggest that this is uh, something uh, high strange. Uh, I think uh, physical evidence is very important, especially in cases that feature dead animals that leave behind. And, and you have physical evidence to, uh, to you know, bring the powers of diagnostic science to bear on. So, uh, you know, yeah. I want to uh, make sure that we ask those questions because I agree with you. There is very little, if any evidence that would suggest that we're dealing with anything other than something uh, mundane like a, a predatory um, attack by uh, various types of animals that uh, tend to attack a, a small livestock. Um, mm-hmm. now I'm, well, I'm not saying that I, I totally, I, I'm totally, uh, you know, thinking that this is all confabulation. This is all misidentified predator action. I personally have a sense that there is something at the core of this. I would not want to go to Vegas and place money on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, out of curiosity, what, where do you think the mystery lies? What what part of this do you think is not explained? Well, I you know again, I think the power of collective belief um, is a lot more intense and has has more. Uh, I think is more of a subject that needs to, to you know, be looked at and, and further studied. Um, I've had cases, for instance, of uh, the appearance of a, of a demon-like figure, a devil-like figure. And uh, even though the initial case was probably a prank or a hoax, all of a sudden you have a flurry of very similar type reports that spring up in the subculture around it that are that appear to have some sort of credibility at their core. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there's going to be people on the forums that are going to tear me a new one for that one, but this is something that I think is uh is 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 a is a potentially a very fruitful uh avenue of investigation and I don't think enough work is being done about the power of collective belief and how that can actually potentially in my mind, even manifest real nuts and bolts phenomena. Um, now that I've totally gotten myself in trouble with our debunkers, <laughs> not skeptics, on the board. Uh, well, you know what? That's, that's going to be something where Ben's going to leave here. And by the way, Ben, I want to say this. <laughs> I like you so much. I want to invite you to endure the grief. If you have time, feel free to participate in our forums. I'm serious because I think you have a lot of interesting input from this interview, a lot of interesting things to say, whether our listeners agree or not, because we already have a skeptic in our forums. We want to take all sides, and that's the way we learn about things. So if you're up to it, Ben. Uh, yeah. When um, When is this uh, going to go out? And okay. even between now, then, and forever, I'll tell you how to get to the forums and okay. how to sign up. We've got a lot of our guests who joined there. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. Ben Radford's the author. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. 
58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237, and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. Dr. David Berry has provided excellent advice for all those interested in practical economics and sound money. It's certainly worth reading. That's what Congressman Ron Paul said about Cha-Ching Wisdom, 123 Practical Universal Truths About Money, the new book by Dr. David Berry. The cool part of this book, certainly it'll speak to you personally, your life, your lifestyle, your, your money, your investments, but it also can be generalized into the nation, what's going on as a nation. We do these same things personally that we do as a nation. Dr. Berry's book, Cha-Ching Wisdom, presents many facets of your relationship with the once almighty dollar and how current national and international politics affect your daily life. Some of the other things are about that. They're not just uh, economic, they're philosophical. There's psychology involved in this book. There's philosophy involved in this book. Read Cha-Ching Wisdom by Dr. David Barry, only $9.95, available at cha-chingwisdom.com. That's C-H-A-C-H-I-N-G wisdom.com. Cha-chingwisdom.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at 
forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. I guess we should call this tracking the trickster because our trickster <laughs> is returned. Said I my trickster cackle, so I figured I'd throw it in there just to get myself further in trouble. Well, you, you know go. what? We're all in trouble. You know, you have to read what some people have been saying about us lately, and I think uh, we are in trouble. A lot of it is imaginary. There's someone who put up a blog entry complaining because we decided to allow one poster to post something and another poster not to. They complained about what we do in our message boards. It's our message boards. You know, that's who you go. <laughs> Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the PowerCast with Ben Radford. Chris, why don't we pick up on this? Okay. Um, I do have a bunch of questions, uh, but they, they're more along the lines of, of uh, general, I think, cryptid-type questions, and especially sure. Bigfoot. But I want to I continue on the chupacabra uh, topic here a little bit. We haven't talked at all about the most recent incarnation of this mystery, which uh, I think uh, quite a bit of press has been uh, inked uh, down in Texas with these mangy-looking uh, – Coyote dog, uh, uh, I, I forget what you call them, uh, the hybrid cats, dog cats, type things, yeah. and and even a uh, potentially a hairless raccoon may have been uh, found and and had the chupacabra label put on it. But let's let's go ahead and discuss the uh, the our twenty first century version of this as it uh, has manifested in the media in in especially Texas. Sure. Uh, why don't we why don't we address the canine version of this thing? Yeah, essentially what happened was that, that with a few exceptions, as you pointed out earlier, the, the original chupacabra, the sort of alieny, spiky-backed, species-inspired chupacabra, uh, wasn't really seen much after around 2000, give or take. I mean, there are exceptions, but for the most part, it kind of faded away. And uh, people didn't really see much about chupacabra for a few years until about 2004, 2005, when people began finding uh, dead, uh, hairless and nearly hairless dogs, uh, dogs and coyotes, members of the canid family, uh, which include dogs, coyotes, and foxes, and calling them the chupacabra. The most famous one is, uh, was found in 2007 in Cuero, Texas, by a woman named Phyllis Canyon, who proclaimed that it was the summer of the chupacabra. And she had a good time. They were selling T-shirts, and there was a big media hubbub and it made international news when she found the, this dead, hairless canine. And I actually uh, flew out there. I was flown out there by the, the TV show uh, Monster Quest uh, to investigate that particular um, chupacabra. And uh, th- but there were other ones. There was one in Blanco, Texas. There was one in Elmendorf, Texas. Um, there was one in Turner, Maine, of a couple here in New Mexico and elsewhere. But for the most part, you know, in this particular case, again, there was a very, very different form. So you, had, you went from the alieny, bipedal, uh, spiky-backed monster to essentially what were four-legged, hairless dogs. And they certainly looked like that. And so suddenly we had hard evidence. And um, so when you have hard evidence, you can do DNA tests and you can use science and forensics to get the, the answers. And when, when those tests were done, they came back to be either dogs or coyotes or on occasion um, uh, raccoons or in one case a, a, an ocean skate. Uh, monster, but um, so that that sort of answered that question in terms of what were these things, uh, what were these hairless dogs, and typically they had um, what's called sarcoptic mange, which is a skin disease caused by mites, which causes the hair to to fall out. Okay, and so you're just totally uh, you're totally discounting that as a possibility for a, a form of blood sucking animal, then. 
Yes, for, for, for a number of reasons, and I'll just touch on them briefly. And again, I, I go into, uh, I think, the, the second to last chapter in the book, I, I deal entirely with uh, the, the physiology of vampires. And for my book, I, I went and researched true vampires, that is, animals that actually do suck blood, such as leeches and lampreys and, and vampire bats. And if you look at those creatures, the, these, these, these animals, they have very distinctive uh, adaptive um, digestive systems, for example, and mouth structures that allow them to suck blood. If you look at these these uh, these Texas chupacabras, there's no way that they could physically suck blood. It, it's literally impossible for their mouth structure to allow them to suck blood. Furthermore, there's no mechanism by which they could digest blood because animals that do suck blood and, and live on blood, they have special structures that, that keep them from succumbing to uh, iron toxicity because uh, blood is so rich in iron that if you or I drank a whole lot of blood, it would, it would actually injure us and maybe even kill us because there's so much iron, our, our bodies can't handle it. And uh, so far, uh, none of these creatures have, have been found to have any of the characteristics that we would expect from a true vampire. So aspiring vampires out there in the audience, uh, take note, drinking too much blood can be hazardous to your health. Absolutely. Well, there goes the TV show's True Blood, and of course, being human, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to go on to some questions from the board here. Titer001 mentions that he's always found Martin Gardner to be an interesting person, very much a skeptic on one hand, yet a believer in God on the other. What does Mr. Radford think of a fellow traveler such as the late Mr. Gardner who can hold the hard-line materialistic view and yet maintain a wonder and even a belief in the soul? I think it's great. I was actually Martin's editor for, for many years. Uh, he wrote a column for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, and I was, his, I was one of his editors for a while, and I, I worked with Martin uh, on, on many occasions. And I, I, when I first uh, heard about him and met him, I, I didn't really understand just how, how massive a, uh, an intellectual contributor he was to not, not only science but skepticism. And sort of I, I grew to appreciate that as the years went on, where I realized just what a massive amount of, of, of books he'd written, I think over 70 books. You know, it's certainly true that Martin professed to believe in God, believe in God, and, um, and that's fine. I mean, I, to my mind, uh, I've always sort of separated out the science and the religion. And, you know, if people want to believe um, in, in God or angels or what have you, I, I personally don't care. Uh, the only place that I get into it in my investigations is if someone makes a claim that's testable. I mean, if you tell me you believe in God, that's fine. I, that doesn't bother me at all. If you tell me that you were healed by God or God gave you some special magical power or something, then at that point that becomes a testable claim. Um, so that's that's sort of where I draw the line between investigatable and, and, and personal beliefs. And it doesn't bother me at all that, that Martin, um, you know, uh, believed in God. That's that's great. I mean, if he found that comforting, then more power to him. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered about that, how uh, scientists like quantum physicists could uh, – you know, do all this heavy lifting in terms of uh, theoretical uh, physics and, and mathematics, and then go to church and sort of leave their leave their scientific selves at the door. Uh, I've always found that very fascinating. Here's uh, another couple of questions. Uh, this is from ex Lord Summers Slex, uh, who claims he's a paranormal master. Hmm. This should be good. <laughs> I'd be interested to know your take on Jeff Meldrum's interpretation of apparently consistent anatomical features such as mid-tarsal breaks in alleged Bigfoot footprints. Oh, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. You know what? Oh. We'll have to take this to our next segment because, you know, that little <laughs> clock says 
there are sponsors out there who have things to sell, and if we don't give them a chance to sell those things, we don't let them take care of their business, well, we won't have a business and we won't have a show. That's how it goes. So we'll have you answer that question in our next segment. This is what we call the cliffhanger portion of the PowerCast in the final hour. We have Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra, but as you see, the discussion will go far afield as we answer the questions from our listeners. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. <coughs> Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. We all need to prepare ourselves. You might have the food, water, gold, and silver, but ask yourself, are you truly prepared? That's why you need to visit MainMilitary.com. MainMilitary.com carries everything you need. Gas masks, wool blankets, fire starter kits, high-capacity magazines, chemical suits, military surplus items, and much more. Do you own a firearm? MainMilitary.com has a large selection of pistols and rifles suited for your needs. Are your local stores sold out of ammunition? Call or visit them today for prices on hard-to-find ammo and bulk ammo orders. You don't need to worry about having a military surplus store in your area because MainMilitary.com is the only store you'll ever need, all from the comfort of your computer. Visit them online today at MainMilitary.com. That's Maine, like the state, Military.com. Or call them at 1-877-608-0179. That's 1-877-608-0179.
The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze-Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze-Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze-Dry Guy, the best you can buy. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. There he is. You wondered about whether there are ghosts, and if there are ghosts, maybe their voices will sound like Chris O'Brien there. We never know. I was supposed to be Bigfoot, Gene. You're a Bigfoot? Well, you know, I think gruffier, you know. Got to be gruffy okay. with that voice. I'll, I'll work on that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, so we were Don't talking about Don't quit your day Belgium. job, Chris. We're talking to Ben Radford. <laughs> I won't quit my day job, but I think this is it. We're talking to Ben Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. I'm Gene Steinberg, and you're in the Paracast. And before we broke, you were starting to answer a question. Ben, why don't you pick up on that? Yeah, the question was about uh, Jeff Meldrum's research. Uh, he's an anatomist at, at the University of Idaho, as I recall. He's written a couple of books. Uh, I think the main one is, um, I think it's called uh, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science or something. Jeff is an interesting character because he sort of inherited the mantle of the the primary uh, Bigfoot uh, scientist after uh, Grover Kranz died. I like Jeff. I've met him a couple times, and he, I I personally think he's a cool guy, and he's a he's a nice guy. Uh, I do, however, have serious problems with the logic uh, in his book, where he talks about, for example. Uh, mid tarsal breaks and and uh, and some things that in terms of like for example why why a big footprint um, must be real and I, I don't have the the time or depth to get into it but uh, I along with several other people including um, Matt Crowley and David Dagling and Mike Dennett uh, wrote a a very in depth review of Meldrum's book uh, in Skeptical Inquirer magazine it was a for it was a it was basically. Each of us reviewed a part of his book from our particular brand of expertise, and that that deals a lot with our responses to uh, to Jeff's uh, to Jeff's book. I, I personally like him. Uh, I, I don't think his science is very good in some of those cases, and um, I'd like to see more out of him. So, okay, part two of of Lord Summers Lex's questions would be he'd be interested to get your take on the Patterson Gimlin film. Bob Hieronymus, the guy who claimed he wore the suit, has changed his story on a number of occasions, giving contradictory versions of the details of the suit and so on, Mm -hmm. which at best suggests that he's an unreliable witness. Could this version of events be a hoax in and of itself? Personally, he's on the fence in terms of the veracity of the film. Patterson's story has problems, particularly in regards to the timeline of developing the film. Exactly. But then the long Hieronymus version has its problems, too. So I guess he wants you to address that. Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is a subject I could talk for an hour and a half on. But essentially, 
uh, you know, the, the Hieronymus story, I mean, just to be very clear, there are several people that have claimed to have been in the Bigfoot suit, not just Hieronymus. Uh, Hieronymus is only one of the latest ones. And people need to understand that it's, it's not, it's a false dichotomy to say that either Bob Hieronymus is lying or the Bigfoot, the Patterson-Gimlin film is real. That's not correct. I mean, it could be that he's lying, and and as well, the the, the film is fake. So, and, and as as he as the question included, uh, there are some very very serious issues with the timeline and and how exactly the the Patterson film could have been developed in such a short period of time. If you go back and you actually look at it, uh, that so far even the people who believe very staunchly in the in the Patterson Gimlin film they can't explain it. They they don't have an answer for for how some of these things were even possible. Again, there's a lot to it. Uh, there's been claims, for example, that the, the the locomotion that you see in the film could not be duplicated, and that's been proven false by a friend of mine, uh, Dave Daigling, who wrote a book uh, on the subject. Uh, and he, he did his own test, and in fact, you, you can do the exact locomotion of the thing. So I think, the, to my mind, again, there's, there's lots and lots to it. To my mind, one of the biggest arguments against it is that the you know the Patterson film uh, remains the best evidence for Bigfoot. And again, remember this is 1967. This is when Lyndon Johnson was in the White House. You know, since, <laughs> since that time, you know, cameras have been cheaper, more affordable, better quality. I find it inexplicable that if there really are Bigfoot out there, that there hasn't been a better quality film or video made in the last, you know, almost 50 years. Uh, I, I, I just find that unbelievable. Well, so the Polish footage is pretty interesting. Well, that, I, maybe you're more impressed with it than I am. But in any event, the, the question remains, why isn't there better evidence? Yeah, just like UFO photos are always blurry and out of focus, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we have a, another uh, interesting question from our previous uh, questioner. If Bigfoot doesn't exist, what are people experiencing? While I'd agree that the image of a hairy forest giant is archetypal and occurs in many different cultures, how could this lead to people seeing something they believe to be Bigfoot? What do you think of other mystery primates, such as the orange pendak, for instance? Well, again, as with vampires, uh, stories of, of sort of wild men in the woods and feral people, feral men, uh, are universal. There, there's nothing new about that. They're reported all over the place, and you can you can find cases of that in, in Native American lore and First Nations lore and elsewhere. That's not particularly surprising. And in terms of what are people seeing, uh, people are. It's the same thing with with ghosts and chupacabra sightings. It, it's a mistake to look for one singular blanket explanation because there isn't one. Um, some people are seeing brown bears. Some people are seeing um, you know pranksters. Some people are seeing hoaxers. Some people are seeing things in their imagination. A lot of times, as with as was the case with the chupacabra that I talked about is that people will report Bigfoot uh, experiences, but they don't necessarily have any connection to Bigfoot. For example, there's many cases where people will be out camping in, in, in the woods, and they'll hear guttural growls, or you know, they'll, they'll have rocks being thrown or something, and they'll assume it's Bigfoot uh, without actually having seen a Bigfoot. Um, so it's important to, to not lump together you know, any sort of weird sound someone hears in the woods with an up-close Bigfoot sighting. Well, I have a personal experience that's very much uh, like you've just described, uh, the base of Mount Shasta, where mm-hmm. I feel I heard something that was impossibly loud that could, did not conform to any animal that I've ever heard of or heard examples of their calls. It literally made my eardrums rattle. It was so loud. It bounced mm-hmm. off foothills uh, over a mile away. And uh, I assume whatever was crashing through that impenetrable hedge of Mountain Huckleberry, whatever this was super tough 
hedge was made out of. It was coming at me, and there was no way that anything, unless it was huge, could could have made its way through that hedge. Now, this could have been totally, uh, you know, just a whole combination of mundane events that happened to coalesce together into something that sure seemed like a Bigfoot ticked off at uh, my buddy and I and but, chased but, us off the mountain. But you, you would agree that just because you can't identify the sound doesn't mean it's, it's, it's unidentifiable, right? That's correct. I I did not see it. I smelled it. It was one of the most foul smelling smells I've ever smelled. Um, did you bust one? <laughs> no. Or did somebody bust one? I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, and there was this weird fecal material that seemed to be smeared on some strip branches or these huge mountain flies that were flying around it. Mm. So uh, there were there were other things uh, involved in the sighting, which I, I don't want to digress too far here. But but yes, I, it's a point well taken that uh, just because it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck doesn't mean that it's necessarily a duck, you know. Uh, as the Maybe someone knew that Chris would be there and they wanted to just freak you out. That's all. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> it was I Jim Mosley and Gray Barker. No, not Gray Barker. Gray Barker wasn't alive then, was he? No, no. Or it wasn't Mosley either. I don't know if Mosley, of all the things he's done, ever tried to become a Bigfoot. I mean, he's done his share of stuff. Ben, you know who Jim Mosley is, right? Yeah, yeah. Was was Paul Freeman around? No. (laughs) You know, because Freeman uh, is is allegedly responsible for some some pretty dubious uh, Bigfoot stuff, so. Yeah. Well, we were the first Among ones others. up this logging road. We had to dig our way through snowdrifts to get up there. We were the first ones there that year. It was early spring, so it was, it was a pretty interesting uh, experience, one that definitely stands out in my mind, no question. And it doesn't sound as if Jim Mosley would want to go there because Jim lives in Florida these days. He wants the warm weather. Yeah. You know, It's just not the kind of thing he does. We'll get to more <laughs> of the questions from our audience on the Paracast. I understand, by the way, they're hearing us now in not only in Texas and other cities, but recently an outlet in Atlanta added the PowerCast to their stable, so we're growing. And if you know of a station, they do not have to be a member of the GCN network to carry the PowerCast. If you know of a station in your area, a talk station that might carry our show, contact us, news at thepowercast.com, news at thepowercast.com. Just let us know. Write us, news at thepowercast.com. So the story, of course, here is that if you know the station, write us news at thepowercast.com, news at thepowercast.com. If you know the name of the executives, give us the name so we can have our affiliate manager, GCN, check them out. The guest is Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $220. And the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com com today. Do you suffer from adrenal fatigue? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings can deposit into your kidneys and adrenals and cause them to lose up to 60% of their functional capacity? I've had first-hand experience with the damage mercury can do to the body. I've made it a life's work to figure out what went wrong after I got two large mercury fillings put into my teeth. I also know the most effective means by which the body can remove mercury. It has to do in large part with how well your liver functions and how much glutathione your cells produce. The number one superfood that supports optimal levels of glutathione is cold-processed whey protein from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is unheated whey protein from grass-fed cows. It is the most bioactive, undenatured whey protein on the market. People are reporting health improvements from this one product that I've not seen in 20 years of clinical nutritional practice. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Gruffy, Bigfoot-like. After he tells about his 
possible Bigfoot encounter. You got the voice. Tell me you didn't hear a voice there when you had this encounter, Chris. It was a cross between a bull elephant, uh, a lion roar, and a steam locomotive. I, I, it was just the most thunderous sound I've ever heard, and it was a vocalization. No question about it. I'll tell you what, Chris. I'll tell you what. I don't want to be there. I'm not going to join you on these things because I'd run the other direction. That's my problem. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. The guest is Benjamin Radford. The book is Tracking the Chupacabra. This is our final segment. Ben, what do you think people are are, are seeing? Uh, could it be in the case of the Orang Pendak? Could it be uh, a, a, a true potential crypto creature, do you think? A mystery primate? <laughs> do you think there are mystery primates out there? A gigantic right. mythicus? Do you think we something. may have some around it? Uh, I, I would have to come down and say, you know, where's the evidence, um, as, as I always do. Uh, you know, I, I would love to be to be the first person to, to see the Bigfoot or to, to discover it and to cover, you know, it, the, the news of its discovery. Um, here, 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 I, I hope here, these things are this? I have a question for you. Have you ever seen uh, a dead uh, bear carcass? Um, I have, in fact. You have? Okay. How about a dead mountain lion? No. There are lots of bears and lots of mountain lions, but very, very little in the case of mountain lions. I, I do not know anyone who's ever seen a mountain lion carcass, and I know quite a few outdoorsmen, and I've asked. Um, that would be one argument that would suggest that possibly uh, you know, the physical evidence left behind may be a lot more rare than, than you, would, you would suspect. So well, that's it, one it, argument uh, for right, that. It, it, Except for the fact that I don't judge it based upon whether I personally have seen it. I mean, I've never seen a giraffe fetus either, but I don't doubt that they exist. Just because I don't encounter them in my everyday life, most people probably don't. That doesn't, to my mind, that doesn't really have any necessary implications. Right, for- yeah, you personally seen, of course, but right. um, that's one thing that I would suggest uh, when you do go uh, out on Bigfoot uh, research projects that uh, maybe you ask outdoorsmen, um, sure. ask you know, uh, people who are very, very uh, knowledgeable uh, about the outdoors. And uh, you'll be surprised at how few, if any, have ever seen carcasses of uh, animals, uh, especially predators. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty rare. And uh, I'm not saying that this is an argument um, supporting the existence of these crypto creatures, but it is something that I think that we need to always bear in mind that Physical evidence out in the woods tends to disappear very quickly because there's a lot of hungry animals out there. Mm-hmm. They spread the bones around and, and whatnot. So, but what do you think about the orang pendak, uh, for instance, uh, in in the work that's being done trying to to establish once and for all whether this particular mystery primate exists? I I think that probably of all the places in the world that that might hold an unknown mystery primate, primate, probably the orang pendek is uh, among the more plausible, um, just partly because of its remoteness, partly because of of the the fossil record out there. I don't necessarily believe or disbelieve. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm open to the evidence either way, but uh, I think, for example, there's there's far, far – uh, there's a far, far higher and better chance of finding the round pendek than of finding Bigfoot, um, just for for any number of reasons. Okay. Well, what's next on your uh, your research uh, calendar? What what projects are you uh, currently uh, gearing up for, or are you involved in a 
a new uh, project? Yeah, I got a handful of things right now. There's a uh, I'm I'm involved in a, a actually a plagiarism investigation. Uh, when I was sort of a spinoff of my Chupacabra investigation, I was doing some research and I found that 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 uh, most of this particular book was plagiarized. So I've been I've been dealing with Harper Collins to let them know about that. I'll be giving a talk at the um, American. Let me, let me stop you right there. Can you tell us which book? I, I cannot. It's not. It's not uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a response back from HarperCollins, but it's a, it's a book about vampires. It's an encyclopedia about vampires. Okay. And they lifted material from you? Uh, actually, no. I wish they had because they would have gotten it right. They, uh, they, <laughs> they, they lifted material from uh, – they just basically did a Google search. Um, and from what I can tell, well over half of her book is, uh, is taken directly from, um, from Google. Okay. So they didn't even rewrite it? No, uh, they, well, they, there was there was a little bit of paraphrasing. Um, much of it was verbatim, and and frankly, it, this doesn't surprise me because uh, you know it, certainly in, in my research of you know chupacabras and bigfoots and ghosts, there's a whole lot, and and you guys know this as well. There's way too much just liberally copying from other people and plagiarism instead of you know original investigation. Um, but so the, the, there's that I'm working on. I'll be giving a talk for the American Folklore Society later this year on uh, the folklore of the Chupacabra. And there's a handful of other things that um, just just miracles. Uh, a little, I've been doing a little piece on some crystal skulls, which is something that Chris knows something about as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you about the crystal skull thing before we let you go. What are you finding out about the crystal skulls? Anything weird? Probably not, because we don't expect you to find anything weird, do we? I would love to find something weird uh, in, in this particular well, I, case. Let me, let me show you what I look like, then you'll see weird. Go ahead, please. Oh, my God. Is that you? <laughs> Did it have to be in color? Oh, man. Isn't okay. that terrible? <laughs> oh, man. That's why I do radio. I, I, I understand. It's, it's clear to me now. But no, I mean, it's uh, there's all sorts of – basically, I mean, again, probably Chris is – is very familiar with this as well, but I go back to the, the Mitchell's Hedges skull, uh, and then the, the San Luis Valley skull that that uh, the Chris wrote about in his book uh, Mysterious Valley. So it's uh, I just debunked for, myself. Uh, you better hasten you, to add. <laughs> yes, I, I, there you go. There you go. So yeah, uh, just a, you know, part of the thing is because of what I do. There are so many irons in the fire. There's different investigations. I'm also working on a master's program. Uh, I, I do a podcast called Monster Talk uh, with uh, Blake Smith and Karen Stolznow, uh and all my other stuff. So it's the, the Chupacabra is only the latest of my of my uh, my stuff. So hopefully people will look at it with an open mind and decide for themselves. Well, that's uh, one thing that I want to applaud you on is your open minded, uh, healthy skepticism. I think uh, some of the debunkers in the world uh, should be uh, sitting up and taking notice of your approach. Uh, it's been a pleasure having somebody who's uh, grounded and objective and, and, and not totally throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but, but looking at the evidence, I think, dispassionately and, and really uh, having fun while doing it. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. And, Ben, we, we, we really would like to have you back on the show. Uh, I think you're, you're one of our better guests that we've had, and I, I really do uh, applaud your work. And I agree with uh, <laughs> quite a bit of what, uh, if not most, of what you came up with in this book. I was very impressed with it, I must say. And uh, all you true believers out there now have something to throw mud at. <laughs> well, now you can go hate all of us because I yeah, I'm going really, to get it from both sides now. Yeah, right. We're going to get hit from both sides here. But I think you've done a lot of good research. And whether or not, ladies and gentlemen, you agree that there are paranormal events or not paranormal events – it's important to read 
all sites. The skeptic, the believer, look at the evidence, realize that not everything is a UFO, not everything is a strange creature from outer space, another dimension, or anywhere else. Maybe we have those things, okay? Because that's what the purpose of the show is, to find that signal, to see where it's happening. But all that noise around us, all the crazy controversies over, for example, why we allow one message and not another message in our forum. That's a big issue, by the way, online right now. They, they care about our forums. They're very important. Our forums are the most important forums on the planet. You know, we have the Japanese earthquake. We have budgetary problems in America all over the world. We have recessions. We have people losing their homes. All these problems are trying to understand. Strange things are happening out there. We can't explain what they are. Some things are conventional, some things we don't think so. But the most important thing is our message boards outweigh everything, the most important things on the planet. If that sounds ridiculous to you, it sounds ridiculous to me too. Benjamin Radford, you're not ridiculous. Tell us where we can find more of the things that you do. Uh, well, thank you for not calling me ridiculous. That's that's actually the, one of the better compliments I've gotten this week. Um, people can find uh, information on me at uh, radfordbooks.com. That's R-A-D-F-O-R-D books.com. I've written, I guess, Ch- Tracking the Chubuck Hour is my fifth book, um, my previous book being Scientific Paranormal Investigation. And they can also find stuff at uh, chupacabramystery.com. And again, I'm, uh, I'm in Skeptical Inquirer Magazine. I do columns for Discovery News and Life Science. And I uh, do the... Uh, the approximately monthly podcast uh, Monster Talk. So I'm I'm here, there, and everywhere, and I'm doing my best to spread some skepticism and, and critical thinking. And Chris, of course, has OurStrangePlanet.com, which we host with my own web server, so that's why it's much faster than it ever was. Chris, we had a great time with Ben. Benjamin Radford, thank you for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you. It's been good to talk to you guys. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.